And we're live. Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll. I'm joined again by Seth Trex, by, by Electrex publisher, Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. And uh, it's a great start to this week's pile <laughs> of e-bike and other assorted two-wheeled, three-wheeled, and some tracked news this week. So we've got uh, a pile of different stories here. It's going to cover some new electric bicycles, both on the super lightweight end of the spectrum, as well as some pretty ridiculous heavyweight electric bicycles. Then we'll move into some electric motorcycle news from dueling cannonball runs to an upcoming Harley Davidson electric motorcycle that will be unveiled soon. And then we've got some other uh, cool, interesting vehicles, including a weird solar powered three wheeled electric RV. So uh, where are we starting off this week, Seth? All right. Uh, Mini Cooper maker launches four new electric bicycles with regenerative braking. Okay, so this is uh, Cooper Bikes, which if you're not familiar with, uh, we're not going to hold it against you. I wasn't familiar with until I uh, wrote this story and and learned about these new bikes myself. But uh, Cooper Bikes is the bike arm of the original Cooper team that teamed up with uh, Mini to make the um, Mini Cooper. It was like a racing version of the Mini. This is like back before bought by BMW and everything. So uh, Cooper Bikes just released these four new bicycles. They're, um, they don't even look like electric bikes to me. I mean, they're like, you know, super narrow tubes. Uh, everything's hidden. And part of the cool sort of uh, stealthy design comes from the fact that they used this electric bike kit called the uh, Zeus. I think that's how it's pronounced. And it hides everything inside of the rear wheel. So uh, it makes this really clean looking electric bike because that rear hub motor is the motor, it's the controller, it's the battery, albeit a very small battery at 173 watt hours, but everything's back there. And so it makes it just, you know, really clean looking, really elegant. And it also has a neat trick that it can do regenerative braking. So the uh, Zeus company, they call this an infinite range uh, system, which has always rubbed me the wrong way, because theoretically, yes, you can run it in uh, this regenerative mode where as you pedal, you're recharging the battery, which answers one of the most common e-bike questions that people give you on the street, which is, does it charge when you pedal it? However, doing so is super inefficient. You know, you might as well just charge it at home and use that uh, extra electric assist whenever you need it, instead of having to pedal extra hard half the time to recharge your battery. Because, you know, even if you have a 90% efficient system, you're still going to end up using more of your own energy than you would have if you had just, you know, charged off the wall. But if you're running low on charge and you're feeling extra strong yourself that day, you can always put it in regenerative mode and, you know, pedal at like 125% of the resistance you would feel on a pedal bike and, and start charging your battery. So it, it does have some cool features um, with regards to regeneration. But really what it is, it's just like a very minimalist, lightweight, stealthy type of electric bike kit that allowed Cooper bikes to to really make these super clean and really elegant looking e-bikes. What do you think of the design, Seth? Uh, I like the idea. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to tell that this is an electric bike unless you look at the rear hub. It's a little bit, it sounds a little bit like the, uh, you know, the Copenhagen wheel idea where the batteries and the controller are all in the uh, in the hub, I guess. Um, yeah, how does definitely. it, how, how does it know when to accelerate and when to regen? So it's using uh, sensors built into the wheel that can basically tell when the chain is being pulled. So okay. just spinning itself won't cause it to apply any electric assist. It's got to feel that torque from the chain pulling on it, which is kind of, you know, another neat trick. There's some nice technology built into it, but uh, you know, it's not going to be like a, a high power or a long range system or anything. And how does it know when to break? Is same same thing when when it feels Yeah, I think when the the torque sensor just feels, you know, a lack of any um, you know, power applied to it, then it's just going to give up any uh um, you know, electrical assist. In terms of applying the regenerative braking, I believe the brakes have um uh, sensors in them, like, you know, a lot of throttle controlled e-bikes where they'll have that brake cutoff. Right. So that way it knows to apply regenerative braking. And I imagine that if you hit the brakes just a little bit, it'll hit regen. And then if you go a little bit further, it'll actually use the the real brakes. 
Yeah. And, you know, regen is really nice in that you can use it just like you're saying, you know, you can kind of just do a little bit of braking and then you don't really use your mechanical or hydraulic brakes. You save those pads. Um, but the whole Zeus, like infinite range thing is, has always kind of, um, you know, irked to me because it yeah. seems like a, uh, a little bit of a cheating nomenclature for, for that kind well, of system. Everything's infinite as long as you have legs, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but, so yeah, I mean, in total, I think it's a nice looking design for sure. It's a nice looking design. I like the idea. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, you start to get where, you know, it allows you to do things like, for instance, you could probably take off the rear wheel and put on a normal rear wheel and have a normal bike. If, if that's what you're after that particular day, um, you know, that's kind of the Copenhagen wheel idea. Um, you could also like put this on a stand and I forget the bike company, really cool bike company we saw in, uh, at Eurobike that allows you to use it as an exercise bike and you actually generate, yeah, Ravolt and you can generate electricity. I'm sure there's a way that this, this apparatus could do something like that as well. You could uh, generate all your electricity for outdoor use inside or something. I don't know. There's, I could, I could definitely options. see that here. Yeah, that regenerative braking would uh, would make it possible if you put this on like a bike trainer or something. So that would right. be kind of a cool way to use that sort of infinite range idea. Right. Yeah, that's cool. And a great design as well. All right, moving on. Uh, new electric bicycle powertrain claims to be the lightest in the world. Adds just 3.2 kilograms or 7 pounds for those of us in the U.S. Yeah, seven pounds. That's uh, that's not a lot of weight for an entire e-bike system. This is the that's I, I like a baby. Say Molly. That's a newborn. The, <laughs> just just add a newborn to your bike. You don't even have right. to add the weight of the seat. Just just the mass of a newborn. <laughs> yeah, it's like a you know being eight months pregnant. That's Which it. We'll all have to imagine what that's like, <laughs> right? Um, so this is, I think it's pronounced the Molly or the Mally X twenty kit. And, uh, you know, for just seven pounds, this has everything that it takes an OEM to build an e-bike. Now, this is not a, you know, pop it on your own mongoose in your garage type of kit. This is designed for companies that want to build their own e-bike brand. But, you know, this includes a battery, a hub motor, display. Uh, There's even an auxiliary battery option. So if you want to double your range and everything's included in this super lightweight package. I mean, the motor itself is just uh, 1.4 kilos or 3.1 pounds. There's all the connectors. There's even that top tube button. So you can have like a, a minimalist display if you don't want the big handlebar display. And this replaces the company's uh, previous, I think it was the X40 or X35, I want to say. So, you know, this is not their their first run at this. Molly has been building these lightweight uh, electric bike powertrains for a while. And we've seen them on a number of different bikes. Uh, Greg LeMond's electric bike line uses the uh, the former version of this. And now that this new kit is out, there's already a couple bike companies coming out with this new, even lighter version. So what this is allowing companies to do is just continue shaving off those grams and making these super lightweight electric bicycles, which is going to be great for you know road bikers, people who are training for long races, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's and it's additive. So, um, you know, like if you're building an electric bike and you've got a uh, 40 pound um, powertrain, you actually have to build a thicker bike to hold that powertrain. And in, in that process, it's additive. You're actually adding more weight because you need to be thicker. So this probably allows most bike companies to start off with the same bike that they they have without any uh, electric gear on it. Um you know, component wise. And, the, and then, you know, this bike that we're looking at um, in the video, uh, it, it looks exactly like a uh, acoustic bike. By the way, that dude's calf looks like it weighs seven pounds. Uh, <laughs> these bikers are pretty <laughs> thick. Um, yeah. So that's, that's great. And it's, and it's got the, what, 250 or three, 250 watt, uh, what hours of capacity? Um, how how many watts is the actual bike motor? I think it's two hundred and fifty. It might even be less. There's no way okay. it's going to be over two hundred and fifty watts. So you're talking about a pretty low power motor here, right? And uh, twenty three nanometers of torque um, that goes up to fifty five. 
Um, so what they they said yeah. that it's like equivalent to a mid drive motor that would be putting out fifty five newton meters of torque. Hmm. Not quite sure how to interpret that claim, but that's what they say that you know the twenty three newton meters is is fairly low compared to other motors you'll see. But they say that it's equivalent to a fifty five newton meter mid drive. Okay, so certainly not the most powerful. Uh, won't get get you kicked off the bike trail though. Um, <laughs> and at seven pounds, like pretty much. You know, that's like a water bottle, a big water bottle. So cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking 20 pound e-bikes at this point. Right. All right. Something I really love hearing about. Uh, for ACC, fat tire e-bike unveiled as 1500 watt full suspension electric comfort bike. So the Frey CC, which I know Seth is already a fan of because he has one of these, yep. is Frey bikes sort of commuter upright i don't want to say city bike but more of like a, a comfortable sort of hybrid bike for fray because they're they're big into high power electric mountain bikes so the cc has always been there you know i'm going to work instead of taking the trail bike and in the past they've used i think it was 2.5 inch tires on it but they just released a new version with a wider frame um, so that they could put on full fat tires so now they've got a dedicated fat tire yet still sort of comfort almost cruisery trail bike geometry here with the cc so um you know this is it's still got everything we know about fray it's still got their high-end suspension it's got their 1500 watt uh befang ultra mid-drive motor we're still looking at uh, i think it's those same four piston magura m5e brakes which are like you know some of the best electric bike brakes in the industry um, and it's, it's got all of that, you know, high power, high quality build, but now it takes it from just an urban sort of comfort commuter bike into really, you could take this on some decent trails. You know, it doesn't have that same aggressive geometry of their downhill bikes, but you could do some serious trail riding and some probably light downhill trails on this bike. Uh, but for, uh, Seth, you've got more experience on the Frey CC. So why don't you, uh, uh, let me know what you think of turning that bike into a fat tire bike. Yeah. So um, if you're looking at the uh, screen here, uh, I have the red bike down here. Uh, Frey was nice enough to hook me up with that. And um, it's been fantastic. Uh, the one problem I've had, and this is a typical problem with the Bafang Ultra motor, is that it's too powerful for the the chain and the the sprocket set in the rear. So um I, I shifted gears while going up a hill and it just started grinding through my, uh, the teeth on the, the lower gears on my bike. So, um, now, now I can't go below, uh, third gear. So it's hard to get, go over 30 miles per hour, which, you know, like so sad. Yeah. It's very <laughs> sad for me. Um, you know, this is a 35 mile per hour e-bike. Um, and, and I'm looking at this and I'm wondering like, you know, it's it's the exact same frame, it looks like, uh, or very similar frame. Um, the the uh, rear thing might be a little different. There's no rack on on the uh, on the the new one, but I wonder if these tires would actually fit on the uh, the original one. I'll have to go down and look and see if there's enough room between the uh, um. Uh, the swing arm there, I think, is going to be wider on the fat version. Is it? Unfortunately, I don't think you'll be able to fit those tires on yours because I'm pretty sure they had to rework that swing arm. Plus, your fork, I don't think, would would fit a fat tire. That could be swapped out, but right. the swing arms where um where it would be. Though you might be able to put that swing arm on your uh like the the main frame. Yeah, yeah, and I was thinking about uh, outfitting it with a belt drive as well. So that would be a reason to pull out that whole swing arm. Anyway, that's uh, neither here nor there. Uh, this is a, you know, the the uh, the CC is a really nice bike. It's it's kind of overkill in every single way. Like it's a like a very soft full suspension bike that you're riding on streets with. So um, it doesn't have a back lockout, which if you guys like to pedal, uh, gets a little squishy. But um, you know. Frankly, I'm going 30 miles per hour <clears throat> on the streets here, so um, I don't have to ride on the side. Um, it gets me up hills 
you know, 20 miles per hour, probably like steep, significant hills. And, um, you know, I'm still pedaling, so I'm getting a little bit of exercise. Uh, but you know, mostly I'm going the, the, the speed that cars are going. So I can imagine this fat tire bike is going to be very similar to that. Um, but it's going to have the ability to go off road. So it's a, it's a curious combination because like this has nothing of what a commuter bike should be anymore. Like, <laughs> like the only thing that the original CC had that was kind of like a commuter bike was the, the, the tires, um, you know, the full, the soft full suspension and the, uh, the, uh, the, I guess, I don't know, the sprocket set was kind of a wide range, but just with so much power, you really only use a few gears. Um, so this is going to be off-road. I also noticed that the, uh, the brakes on the original CC are a little thinner than the new, the new ones. It looks like there's uh, more area for the, uh, with a yeah, pad, those, which does still look beefier. Yeah. So that, that probably means, you know, with the bigger tires, the heavier tires, they're going to need a little bit more braking, but it's going to be a solid bike. Uh, probably a lot of fun, uh, legal nowhere, but <laughs> that's, that's yeah, the get. ride should be, I mean, I, I'm just curious how much of a cloud it's going to feel like you're riding on. Cause already the, you know, normal tired CC, like I, I could take that off 12 inch drops and you almost didn't notice that right. they were there. So with fat tires, I mean, that thing just must be like riding a mattress down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's the most soft ride you're probably ever going to see on a road, on a road, you know, directed bike. Yeah. And I get a lot of questions from people, especially older riders that want a, like a commuter bike that they can actually ride around town and, and deal with potholes and that sort of thing, but they want a full suspension bike and there just aren't very many full suspension sort of comfort hybrid, almost cruiserish geometry bikes out there. So the CC is one I recommend, but it is quite expensive. I think it's like four and a half thousand dollars though. This one, I believe they're starting at something like, 42 or so with a, uh, with a discount maybe. Um, and so, uh, 4480. Yes. Yeah, so it's about 4,500 bucks and you know, that's expensive, but then again, you're getting some really nice parts here. 1500 Watts, very nice suspension. You know, this is not like city commuter suspension. This is serious mountain bike suspension. Uh, you know, the hydraulic disc brakes that are again, like downhill mountain bike brakes. So there's, there's a lot of value here, but it's not a cheap bike, unfortunately. Yeah, and so I know Frey um, doesn't really have a U.S. importer partner. Are they still uh, kind of telling you that you have to figure out how to get it from China, or is or is there like a more specific route now? So they're shipping directly to consumers in the U.S. They've they've sort of gotten their shipping figured out a lot nicer. Uh-huh. Um, occasionally, they've done group buys where if you can get like, you know, 20 or 30 people together, then you can save significantly on the shipping. Cause I think shipping's probably another 500 bucks or so, but they're actively looking for a U.S. distributor. So if you or anyone, you know, wants to become a freight distributor and start selling these amazingly powerful, high quality electric mountain bikes, then Frey would probably love to talk to you. Yeah. Interesting. Huh? Maybe that's something we should look into. You know, you know who would probably enjoy this? Uh, Eric over at Luna. Does he even? Yeah. This might this be. This is of that caliber, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, we should give him a call about these. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, how do you pronounce this word? Sestrum. Sestrum Astro combines e-bike design with motorcycle styling for a fast new electric moped. I'm going to go with your pronunciation because that's better than anything I came up with. Okay. So the Sestrum here, this is a a really neat looking design. Um, If you're listening to the audio of the podcast, go, go look this one up on our site or just Google C3 Strum uh, Astro, because this is a motorcycle styled electric bike that they've done some neat things I haven't seen before. Not only does it have that sort of super 73 ish seat in a boxy mini bike frame, but they've actually wrapped what's normally a detachable battery in frame members here. It's probably still detachable, but it's not set up like a 
uh, top tank style motorcycle battery that we see a lot also in super 73 actually. And it's not mounted on the down tube, which is the other common area. So they've, they've done some sort of novel design work here and then they've paired it with that, uh, dual crown fork. They've got those big motorcycle headlights, um, the mag wheels. So they don't have bicycle spokes. Uh, of course the 20 inch fat tire size. So it looks, you know, a lot more proportionally like a motorcycle wheel. So there's some very sort of interesting design work that's gone into this Astro e-bike. And then when you move to the spec side, it's also a good performer. So we've got that class three designation, which means 28 miles per hour or 45 kilometers per hour for anyone who uses a more sensical uh, unit of measure. There's a, a big battery. It starts at 780 watt hours on the entry model which is already above average for the industry. But then it goes up to over a thousand watt hours on the uh, Astro Pro model. And then the prices are actually pretty decent. It starts at 1700, 1699 that is for the entry level model, but that still gets you, you know, a 28 mile per hour e-bike with a big battery and four piston hydraulic disc brakes. Then I believe it's another 200 bucks or so for the um, higher capacity battery version. And then what they don't advertise as immediately on the site is that even though these are 28 mile an hour e-bikes, they can actually be unlocked to get like three or four miles per hour more out of them up to about 32. I think that's about uh, 53 or so uh, kilometers per hour. So it's a pretty high performance electric bike here. You know, it doesn't have the the mid-drive motor that a lot of the, the nicer um, sort of motorcycle style bikes have, but for this price, you know, 1700 bucks, I think that it's going to compete pretty, uh, pretty well with like a super 73, you know, maybe the entry level, uh, super 73 ZX or some of the other mini bike style electric bikes out there, because it's got both the performance and in my opinion, a pretty good look. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, it's futuristic. It looks like, uh, what super 73 or juice would put out in like five years or something, uh, you know, from a design standpoint. Um, does it have a, uh, gear set or is it just a one speed? I can't tell from any of these. Yeah, I believe it does have a seven speed on it. It's one uh-huh. of those bikes that I don't know how many people would actually use it, but right. I do believe it's got either a six or seven speed, uh, transmission on it. Yeah. And I mean, I love the design. Like it definitely harkens to, uh, motorcycles with the high battery, but I also like wonder also that you know, how much better the bike would ride with a low center, you know, lower battery center of gravity. I think, um, you know, juice bikes have a little bit lower. They're on the down tube. Um, super 73s are usually up high like this. Um, and I actually wrecked on a super 73. So I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Probably not. It was probably the big curve that I hit. (laughs) Oh, Um, well, we can blame it on whatever you want. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, it looks like a cool bike. Um, You know, does this company have, uh, like, the production chops to to knock this out, or? Yeah, so the Seastrom itself is a new company. They've been working on this design for apparently two years, uh, and they're launching it soon. But the um, company executives have been in the e-bike industry for nearly a decade with, with different companies. So, Uh, It's not just some fly-by-night company, which sometimes, you know, you have to worry about because there are a lot of these new startups. Um, But this one actually comes from people that have been working in the e-bike industry across Asia for a long time. So that's, you know, confidence-inspiring compared to some of the new companies that we see. Mm -hmm. It's like that rear rack option on there. Um, You know, it sort of turns it into almost like a, a utility motorcycle as opposed to just a uh, neat looking sort of aggressive bike you can you know stick some stuff back there which would be nice yep uh probably no people though right i'm guessing not i don't know if i'd want to ride on the back of one of these either it's kind of low all right cool all right moving forward uh check out this solar electric rv that is both a camper and an electric boat and a bike This is one of the coolest things I think I've seen in a while. (laughs) It's a, I don't even know where to start beginning to describe this. So in theory, it's classified as an electric tricycle. 
but it's really a boat hull on a tricycle frame with a camper or RV interior. It's built um, to, to fit into an electric bicycle classification. It's designed by this Latvian company called uh, Bree Triton or something. Um, it's, it's the latest version of their Z Triton electric RV. And it's really designed for sort of like going on a one or two person Euro trip and having your own self-contained pedalable RV that if you wanted to take it out into the canals or some not super choppy water, you could do it. You know, this is not obviously for open sea. It's not that type of electric boat, but for, you know, lakes, canals, that sort of thing, you could literally ride your electric tricycle right into the water. You fold up the two wheels, you attach these inflatable stabilizers, like little pontoons on either side. You drop this little electric outboard motor down from the cabin and you just start like, you know, sailing around <laughs> in a canal. It's it's really a interesting design. I mean, it's obviously a super niche type of product, but the fact that you can have a two-person camper or RV that you can literally pedal around, um, you can recharge the battery using the solar panels on the top. It's only like 100 watts of solar panels, so you're not going to be getting like a full charge in a day. But you could get some, you know, decent charge, especially if you're parked somewhere for two or three days, you might be able to recharge the battery. And it's got everything you need to just sort of camp out right there in your in your camper. Yeah, that it's pretty cool. Like it's it's kind of a kitchen sink. Um <laughs> and we're watching the video here as well. Um it's interesting because uh like are you are you supposed to be able to lay flat in that? Is like I, I don't yes. quite understand. There's a, I think there's a picture in one of the galleries there of two people laying in it and it's pretty cramped, but, um, there's this neat feature where the steering wheel pops off. And so you get more headroom that way because you can just pull it off. I think that's the, the boat's steering wheel when you're in there. Um, the bow is actually the tail of the RV. So it's kind of backwards when you're using it in boat mode. Mm Mm-hmm. But theoretically, it is designed for two people that are fairly, you know, know each other intimately to sleep right. in this thing. Right. It's not like a, a bro type of adventure. <laughs> uh, as long as one of you is comfortable being the big spoon. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, you know, there's a lot to say about something like this. It seems like a really fun idea, but in practice, maybe it, like I can't imagine that boat travels very fast uh you know you're hauling around a battery for a boat um you're also biking around a quite heavy thing but this guy up here you know the the guy in the video appears to be able to do so um so one of the things helping him is the fact that that motor is the same motor in the phrase cc fat we just looked at that's the ultra motor so that's gonna help yeah uh that's actually a good use for the phrase cc motor (laughs) versus like putting it on a commuter bike uh <laughs> which goes like 35 miles per hour um yeah it just seems like that would be such a heavy uh thing to to haul around and then you know the, the solar thing you know at 100 watts is definitely not going to charge the battery too much it's more like keeping your iPhone charged uh 100 watts that's uh like throughout a day you're you're talking about maybe five like a half a kilowatt hour yeah, yeah. and i think the battery's closer to like a thousand watt hours so if you had perfect sun for two days you might recharge the battery if right. you weren't also using it you know if you were parked somewhere for a couple of days yeah well i mean it's it's a cool idea they're even showing that there's a place for a plant uh you know <laughs> take your herb garden with you yeah you're yeah it's a it's a neat idea it's certainly like a, as a proof of concept it's it's pretty fun to think about um and i don't know i like that it exists it exists yeah, <laughs> yeah. it, it is sixteen thousand dollars i think 15 before like taxes and and shipping and such so don't think that you can just like buy this on a whim you know fifteen thousand bucks is not cheap you know what but though, I like there, that it exists there's some you know recent mueller bikes that are fifteen thousand and they're just the bikes. So 
that's a pretty yeah. good. I, th- I think that's how I described it as uh, expensive for an electric tricycle and cheap for an electric RV. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad it exists, like you said. All right, uh, moving forward, uh, Harley-Davidson's Livewire drops teaser video for a new electric motorcycle to be unveiled next week. I am super excited for this. Oh, man, this is one of the unveilings that I've been looking for most this year. Harley-Davidson, for anyone who doesn't know, has one electric motorcycle model. That's the Livewire 1. Livewire is their sub-brand that they spun out of the main Harley-Davidson line to focus entirely on electric motorcycles. And as you can imagine, if they're making the, an entire sort of sub-brand, there's going to be more e-bikes to follow. So the uh, what is expected to be called Delmar or Delmar S2 is the next electric motorcycle. What we're looking at here are two concept art images that Harley has released in the last three to four years. And we haven't seen anything in the last few years in terms of updates to the design. So we're not really sure what it's going to look like. We have seen some patents related to the um, battery and frame architecture that they're going to use. So we expect that the the battery area of the bike is going to look like what we're seeing in those concept images. But other than that, we really don't know what to expect with this upcoming bike. What we do know is that it's going to be positioned as a middleweight electric motorcycle. So whereas the Livewire 1 from Harley-Davidson is a 110 mile an hour, uh, 80 kilowatt or so, it's like 105 horsepower bike, which is, you know, it's their flagship motorcycle. It's it's fairly high performance. This new Del Mar bike is going to be a lighter, uh, less punchy bike, which is probably going to cost, uh, if not significantly less than, you know, a, a good a good amount less than a twenty-two dollars or $23,000 Livewire 1. And so this will hopefully be the bike that actually makes Harley-Davidson's Livewire uh, quote-unquote affordable to the common man. We, we don't know numbers yet, so it's hard to say, you know, if they bring this in at like 19000 versus the 22000 Livewire 1, it's not going to really make a huge difference. But if they can hit closer to, you know, zero prices, which start at somewhere around like ten, eleven thousand dollars $11,000, then it's going to really open up the market so that Harley Davidson can really begin scooping up more than just the, you know, uh, rich I'm collecting this electric motorcycle because it's one of a, a thousand type of riders. So I, I'm very excited for what's to come, but unfortunately we don't have a lot of information about what's to come until May 10th, which is in three days. Yeah. And so it's going to probably have a lot of the, uh, Harley, like, uh, you know, the app and the, the charging, uh, Harley has a um, DC fast charging. Hopefully that, that'll carry over to this as well. Uh, what other kind of stuff are we thinking on here? So it's it's like a totally open, you know, blank canvas here. Right. So they could really go so many different ways. I really hope they keep that DC fast charging, like you said, because if they're trying to pare this down, you know, remove some of the technology that's that's going to uh, add to the cost. That could be something that, you know, hits the cutting room floor. But hopefully that stays because that's one of their big advantages over Zero yep. is that with Zero, you're limited to level two charging, which to be fair, if you use Zero's upgraded chargers can be done in, you know, two, two and a half hours. But if you're not getting the up, uh, upgraded chargers on a Zero, you're stuck with an overnight charge. You know, it could be 10 hours. So... I really hope they stick with that DC fast charging. The um, The battery is almost certainly going to be smaller. Mm-hmm. The Livewire 1's battery is 15 and a half kilowatt hours. So this is going to come in below there. Zero's batteries start at uh, seven kilowatt hours, though the usable is something like six and a half. So it'll almost certainly be above that because they're not going to you know, come in with lower performance than, than Zero's entry-level model. Um, but this also isn't even going to be likely a light, electric motorcycle you know this is going to be a middle class so we could be looking at 10 12 kilowatt hours um the motor it's it's also a much simpler design just from the um aero architecture patents we've seen which aero is their their modular platform they're building this on we know that it's a simplified motor compared to the uh revelation motor that's on the live wire one that runs um sort of down the long axis of the bike and uses that uh 90 degree bevel gear to to turn it 
uh, 90 degrees to line up with the rear wheel. So this is a much simpler motor in a direct drive setup like a zero. Um, so, you know, we have some vague idea of how the bike's designed, but really it's, you know, there's just been so little information yet from Harley Davidson that this could go in so many different directions. Even the two images that were released years ago have some significant differences in the designs and it's been years since those images have been released. So, uh, you know, this, this is such an open question that I'm, I'm super excited. I'm on the edge of my seat for the next three days waiting to see what Harley does here, because I think this will really be sort of a turning point for the company. Either they're going to open the door to, uh, younger riders without, you know, uh, the kind of disposable income it takes for a live wire one, or they're going to sort of cement themselves as a, luxury brand that you know isn't really affordable to the common man yeah and 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 last question i think um is it possible that they're going to release like a line of of bikes here or is it this one specific thing that we're looking for so they're they're almost certainly going to unveil just this one bike but the platform this bike is built on is expected to be used for more electric motorcycles including a lighter weight electric motorcycles. So this could be the beginning of a line. Oh, that's interesting. All right, cool. Yeah. Looking forward There's to a that. a lot of possibilities. Yeah, maybe they'll drop some more teasers or something for upcoming stuff at, at this launch. All right, uh, dueling electric motorcycles <laughs> set new Cannonball Run record and daring race across the U.S. So Cannonball Run, for anyone not in the know, is driving or riding as fast as you can across the country. Usually it's done from New York to LA, but uh, you can go either way. And there are records set for all sorts of different categories, you know, for gas powered cars, electric cars, gas motorcycles. It's interesting is the electric motorcycle category of the, the cannonball run is still kind of wide open because anyone really with an electric motorcycle can just go out and try it. When it comes to, you know, cars or even gas motorcycles, people are like, you know, wearing catheters, taking <laughs> seats out of their cars to put in bigger gas tanks. Like you need a team to do that. But with electric motorcycles, because they're so new and there just haven't been that many attempts at the cannonball run, you can just go out and do it. And that's what these two guys did. Um, Stephen Day started in L.A. and Robert Swartz started in New York. And they did have the support of Energica. Um who I think Robert Swartz owns an Energica dealership in New York and Stephen Day just is a, an owner of a Energica bike. And they just decided to do this, uh, what they called charging across America challenge where they started on opposite ends of the U S and just crossed in the middle to race each other across the country and see, you know, just how fast they could do it. Unfortunately, uh, Robert had to pull out partway through when his, uh, support van was rear ended by a semi truck Everyone was fine, fortunately, but the semi actually jackknifed and rolled over. Um, so it was like not a, a very clean accident as far as, um, you know, swapping paint goes on the highway, but everyone was fine. Stephen Day continued on and he crushed the 178 hour record. I think it was 178 hours set by uh, Diego Cardenas on a Harley Davidson live wire. Now, Diego did do it in like a fairly, um, you know, joyride fashion. It took him a lot longer because he was just sort of having fun. And again, like there's just been so few attempts that you can just take your bike out and, and sort of go for it and make a record. Uh, Steven was able to do it much quicker, um, partly because, uh, you know, you've got that DC fast charging on the energy cut and partly because the batteries are just so big, they go up to 21 kilowatt hours, which is massive for an electric motorcycle. So he was taken like hour long, 90 minute long charge stops, which is actually even longer than you need. You can get the battery charged in less than that, but he was, you know, grabbing some shut eye and a folding chair while he was doing it. But coming in at 111 hours to ride across the country in a uh, electric motorcycle, that's, that's quite a, an accomplishment. Yeah. I can imagine because, uh, it's not like a cannonball run in a car where you're going to be staying awake uh, the whole time, or maybe you have a partner who's driving while you're sleeping. Uh, this is like trying to catch an hour of sleep at the charging stops. Uh, doesn't seem as, you know, I want to say safe, like, uh, but who knows? 
Yeah, and a lot of the car uh, records, they'll have you know a team of people where they're swapping out drivers, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just it's you in the road for 111 hours. So that's what uh, 24 hours. That's four and a half days, something like that. So yeah, that's a that's a serious undertaking. It's not something I would want to do, no. but I I think it's impressive to show that you can actually do long distance rides. Cause that's, you know, what I hear the most from people that are sort of against the switch over from electric uh, or from gas to electric motorcycles is that like, you know, you lose the ability to do touring. You can't ride long distance. Well, if you've got a couple of days or, you know, four days, you can ride across the U S so I don't want to hear anymore that you can't do long rides. Right. And four days and, and not much sleeping. Did did it say like did he take like an overnight or something at a hotel, or did I don't did think he so? He just slept um, on the chair. Yeah, so I actually met him a few weeks ago in New York at an Energica event, and uh, he said he's got this little sort of folding camp chair that he just pops out, and he can get you know an hour of sleep is enough for him to keep going for a while, which is impressive because I I couldn't do that. You know, after a couple of days of getting an hour of sleep, I would not be. Uh, I wouldn't trust myself to operate a high power electric motorcycle. Yeah, that's that's where my mind's at as well. Well, good for him. Yeah, way to go. Yeah, and, and uh, proving that you can drive cross country. All right, uh, last uh, last one. Start your week with this thirty mile per hour electric skateboard with tank treads instead of wheels. This is. This is one of my favorite stories from the last week or so. This is the Vendetta built by this uh, Australian guy that, of course, has had to come out of Australia because, like, all the, the most Bruno? awesome lethal. And no, it wasn't Bruno, but okay. I, I'm sure he would get a kick out of this. Um, this is an electric, it's not even an electric skateboard, but that was the closest thing that I could describe it as. It's almost like a powered snowboard or any board, but it uses tank treads instead of wheels so you control it like a skateboard or a snowboard you know it's all about leaning your body but you've got serious um you know surface area in terms of uh, connecting to the ground what they said is that it's got like four times the the tire surface area of a dirt bike so this thing goes like 30 miles an hour it lays down i mean it's it's a tank meets a a skateboard that's like the only way to describe it (laughs) i think can it work in snow, like uphill? So there are different attachments for the uh, front where you can have either skis if you're going to use it on snow, or they even make um, like sort of ice skate attachments, like blades that if you want to use it on ice, that you can you can use it on all sorts of different terrain. And I mean, the thing is, it's crazy looking, but also it looks like it works really well. Like the guy can ride over anything he rode over another electric skateboard and like put a bicycle on its side and rode over a bicycle i mean the things you expect a tank to do he does on a electric skateboard with tank treads are you actually bolted in or is he just using gravity there i don't actually see any like uh toe clips or anything yeah um it i mean it looks like he's just standing on it which seems like not the best way to do this but maybe if you're going to bail, that's better. Right. Yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, my, my background is mostly in snowboarding. So with this kind of thing, so I would prefer to get bound into this thing. Uh, if I were, it looks like, it looks like a ton of fun. Um, but also kind of risky, but I <laughs> yeah. guess that's um, the, I want to jump off of type of mindset. Yeah, well, you know, if you gave me the option, I think I would prefer not to be strapped to it just because I don't know how long I'd be staying upright on this thing. Right. But, I mean, the control looks incredible. It's got, I don't know if you call that full suspension, if there's suspension in the middle, because both ends are kind of suspended. Right. Um, And, I mean, it's got, you know, a wireless controller, just like an electric skateboard. Mm -hmm. And it seems like he's, you know, got full control of the thing. Obviously, this guy, Dan Baldwin, he's the inventor, so he's going to have more experience on it than anyone. But it doesn't seem like a hard-to-control vehicle or something that you'd be getting thrown off all the time. And if anything, maybe having that much surface area on the ground by using tank treads 
is an even better way to ride because you just have so much connection and it's it seems quite stable in my opinion yeah it looks like a fun way to uh snowboard uphill or something as well yeah uh, yeah definitely uh if anyone wants to find this thing it's called the vendetta so just search uh vendetta electric skateboard or tank skateboard or something like that and i'm sure you'll find it because this thing is just uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this. Yeah, make it's another one. I'm glad it exists and send and send it to us. We would love to see it. All right, that's all for the stories. Uh, we have a bunch of comments. Uh, if you do, if you guys do have any comments, the uh, uh, sixty or so people watching, uh, just put them down, and we'll get to it by the end here. Um, oh, we have a lot of LinkedIn comments today. Um, the first I see is. Uh, Max, Maxim Sakhanov, uh, who's saying 173 watts for 10 kilometers. I believe he's talking about that ultralight, uh, bike kit. Um, the, I think it was the, um, mini, uh, the mini, oh, is it the mini? bikes, I think, or the, or the Cooper, I guess, the Cooper, uh, bikes. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think it was 173 watt hours. So not super long range. I think to be fair, probably a little more than 10 kilometers, but maybe not that much more. Yeah. All right, uh, Newman Awan says, "How do you look at the future of e-bikes in Asia?" That's a pretty pretty wide. Uh, Asia is quite big, and the e-bikes subject is pretty big. But uh, do you have any insights to, there? To put it in a nutshell, I would say Asia's Asia's electric bicycles are very different than what we see in in the West. In that they're often these sort of moped style, but not as in a like super 73 moped, more like these, um, you know, smaller wheeled, put three people on a, a bike altogether, kind of almost like a Vespa scooter meets a, uh, electric bicycle. So that seems to be the path that Asia has chosen just because they're extremely utilitarian. And I can't imagine that changing in the next few years. All right. Uh, Karim Khan asks, why don't bikes come with baskets anymore? Great question. Because they can charge you more to right. add a basket. That's why. And there's so many types of baskets. Do you, do you want wicker? Do you want metal? It should be up to you. And also, there's actually an easy way to put baskets on bikes now that you can just take them off and carry them around. So you, you kind of should just get your own your own style. Uh, so there's some advertising going on here. Uh, so I can't I can't delete. Um, LinkedIn stuff, but there you go. Uh, do, are you familiar with the Gen 3 Groove? That one I'm not familiar with. I did spend some time on the Outcross, but I'll have to check out the Groove because I can't tell you much about that yet. All right. Um, Pedro Fernandez says, do you predict that Electric Light will be their best seller? I don't think so. Um, hmm. It is a really cool bike, but I think it's really going to appeal to the people that we're looking at the $1,000 XP 2.0 and said, eh, it's a little rich for my blood. I think that the amount of value you get by spending $200 more than the $800 light when you move up to the XP 2.0 is worth it for anyone that has an extra $200 to spare. So for that reason, I think the 2.0 is still going to be the best seller, but I think the light will open up the market a little more on the lower end for them. All right, here's a question. Uh, is a 60 volt, 35 amp hour battery too much for an e-bike? I think that sounds like what's on a Suron maybe. Yeah, it's pretty close. There's no such thing as too much for an e-bike. So I, I have a problem with the question. That's the right answer. <laughs> it's a trick question. There is no answer. There's nothing you could say that would be too much. All right. Uh, moving forward. How do you feel about mid drive versus hub drive? That's the, the, the biggest question in e-bikes really. Who will prevail in the long run? Yeah, what do you think? Uh, I'm not sure it's a matter of prevailing because they offer you know yeah, different advantages. I feel like they're both going to prevail, but um, it's weird to me because I think from a design standpoint, like a high-level standpoint, a hub motor makes the most sense. But that said, with mid-drive bikes, I have like the best experience, which doesn't make sense to me at all. Like yeah. it's like smoother and easier with a hub drive or a mid drive, but a hub drive should be better. But what do you think? 
I mean, in some ways I compare it to, you know, uh, when automatic transmissions came out, it wasn't the death of the manual transmission in cars. Um, you know, there's still going to be people that want a more, you know, I'm driving my car experience. And so manual transmissions have stuck around and with mid drives, originally they came out before, I want to say they came out before hub drives. It could be that, you know, the original, like, uh, Yamaha 1990 something uh, mid uh, hub drive was first, but generally these cheap mid drive kits were more popular in the beginning. And then hub motors came out and they made everything cleaner and easier to use, but mid drives still offer a lot of advantages. So I think that the people who want to have a more cycling experience, they want to be able to run through their gears and have more control over their e-bike are still going to like the uh, experience of using their motor through a drivetrain with a mid drive but the simplicity of a hub motor and the ability to create a, a lower cost e-bike is never going to go away. There's always going to be people that, that love that, especially on the entry level end of the spectrum. So it's just really going to come down to which advantage is right for you. Yeah. And you know, there's so many different companies doing both. Like for instance, uh, Luna, uh, we're going to take a look at their two most recent bikes and Luna, which is kind of famous for their mid drive bikes just came out with a hub drive motor. And then on the flip side, um, you know, companies like, uh, um, I'm trying to think what's the, uh, uh, Stromer, not, not Stromer. Stromer is a, a, a hub drive motor, but, um, Sondors, which is kind of famous for having, um, the, the, the hub drives just released some mid drive stuff. And, and I believe somebody else was doing that. Anyway, companies are going back and forth, um, so I think there's room for both. This is the short short way through that. Um, moving on, uh, Sate Fate thought it had a mid drive by the look of it, but no, it has a hub drive. Why do they keep going hubs? Kind of the same question. Mids are so superior, and you can actually you can externally gear them. So here's somebody with a an opinion. Um, yeah, it, it's funny because I, I think they were talking about that. Uh, C strum uh, bike and it does mm-hmm. look like it has a mid drive and I think a lot of frames have like a, an option for a mid drive there it's like a, a cutout area of the frame that can hold a motor but um, I, I think a lot of these frames are just designed so that OEMs can easily turn them into either mid drive or hub drive bikes but in that case you know they're they're really going for value on that bike and being able to bring it in with a sixteen ninety nine price tag you you wouldn't accomplish that with a mid-drive motor so in that case i think value won out over um you know ride experience and and torque and hill climbing of a mid-drive yep all right moving forward a seller door au says i wonder what is the future of electric bicycles so even broader than the last question there more range and more speed what do you think yeah, I don't see speed increasing too much because that's regulated. Range, I, I've seen it slowly increasing, but we just haven't had any monumental advancements in battery technology in the last three years. So, um, you know, since the advent of high power 18650s, we've really only seen slight improvements like a 21700 format to get a little more battery in a case. So I can see small incremental increases in range over the next few years. But unless regulations change, I don't think we're going to be seeing too many high-speed e-bikes unless they're these sort of, you know, off-road mode, wink-wink, unlock-it-at-your-own-peril type of electric bicycles. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, Kerry Woods says, Seth just changed the chain to a beefy quality chain. The problem with Frey is cheap chains. I feel like I had the best chain that I could possibly have because that when I did that damage, I was actually looking to upgrade chains and there wasn't really much out there. I wonder what specifically in better chains is out there. Do you know anything like that? I think, did you have the KMC chain? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the one that Frey recommends. And to, to be honest, it's any part that you increase in in quality in that drivetrain, you're just going to break something else somewhere yeah, else down in the, the drivetrain. Down the line, right? Yeah, yeah and so I I, be, I believe like uh, um the the motor company was actually coming out with their own parts, uh, Buffang, 
they were going to come out with their own chain and sprocket sets, but I don't think we have seen that yet. Is that right? Yeah, it's speculated that they're working on it, but I don't think it's been confirmed. Yeah, I guess they could take like light motorcycle moped type stuff and bring it down a little bit. Uh, so Tyler Donahoe says, what if I get pulled over by the cops? Um, on that particular bike, um, you can just hit a button a few times and you're in level two or level, uh, yeah, level two. So theoretically, I would just say, hey, you know, I've got beefy legs. I got going really fast and but I'm in level two now. So um, or do you just outrun the cops? Yeah, that's a good point. I can just outrun the cops. <laughs> Two different people with one person, two answers. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Moving forward. Uh, we're, we're having a lot of conversation here. Uh, this is a good point. An hour of sleep is insane and not sustainable. So we're talking about the cross country thing. Yes. I feel like uh, you're hallucinating from sleep deprivation. Uh, you got a case in court. If somebody hits them, that's not good. Um, so interesting comment on the uh, skateboard thing. It's like a chainsaw on your feet. It works great for <laughs> landmines. Uh, like a snowboard on sand. Got some good comments there. Um, let's see. Let's see. It's mostly just uh, people talking amongst themselves. Uh, jokes aside, that thing looks surprisingly capable. Maybe to av- avoid many sharp rocks. Agreed. Yeah, I was surprised how capable it really looked. All right, Sankit Sanwain says, how about an affordable classic motorcycle like e-bike, like a board track racer or chopper with ape hangers type? We've seen some stuff. We've seen some ape hangers, but if you're looking for like a a board track racer, um, I think we talked last week with um, the CEO of um, Vintage Bikes, and that's like a 40-mile-per-hour uh motorcycle-ish e-bike. And I think uh, there's some more stuff coming from in that space as well. Wow, we got a lot of comments here. All right, so another, I wonder what is the future of electric bicycles? More range, more speed. I like to see more range and a tad more speed to commute with longer commuting routes. We talked about that a little bit. We don't really see it going in that direction necessarily. Um, Let's see. I think we might be out of questions here. What's the name of the electric skateboard? Yeah, a lot, a lot of fun discussion. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys seen uh, Fireball Tools YouTube video where he built a bicycle with a propeller on the back? That's news to me. That's like a... Sounds interesting. A, those Florida boat, the gator boats or whatever. <laughs> the fan boats, yeah. Fan boats, fan bike. Um. Okay, here's another one. Uh, Tom Stan's YouTube channel, he built a flywheel regenerative braking system for his bicycle. Bicycle. I like how he spelled braking there because it's a good <laughs> question. Uh, curious results. I wonder when that will be possible for e-bikes. Have you ever seen a yeah. flywheel? I, I think I remember seeing that video a while back, but I'm okay. not sure that's ever going to be a practical solution. It's one of those, yeah, it's possible to build a proof of concept, and it did technically work but I'm not sure that's ever going to be a real solution on uh, commercializable electric bicycles. Yeah. All right. And the last thing is, uh, do you think Harley Davidson will come down market approaching Sondor's Metacycle at any point? And and just for a little background, Sondor's Metacycle originally uh, came out for around $5,000. So that's quite inexpensive. Do you think Harley's going to get anywhere near that, or where we where are we thinking? I'm not sure if they'll if they'll produce an electric motorcycle to compete with the Saunders motorcycle, but what they may do is actually produce that sort of Super seventy three styled electric moped or electric scooter that they showed off as a concept vehicle a few years ago, and if they increase the power on that enough. That's a you know a mid motor, very nice looking sort of electric moped that could end up competing potentially with the motorcycle, though it would require a, a pretty decent spec boost on what we expect that thing to do because we we figured it would start at something like thirty miles an hour and maybe they'd have like a forty five 
50 mile an hour version. So to compete with what is supposed to be an 80 mile an hour motorcycle in the Saunders metacycle, it may be a, a bit much for that model, but that's, I think the closest they'll get to such a, uh, an affordable electric motorcycle. I think anything in their full size, even lightweight electric motorcycles is not going to be able to come down to, you know, five or $6,000 because that's, that's just not a Harley price. Yeah. And we did see some, uh, right when Harley said they were going electric, we did see some like prototypes of, you know, very lightweight bikes. So maybe that's how they get there. Um, so I was going to say that was the last question, but a, a few more have rolled in since then. So, um, EU guys have it so bad with 250 watt and 25 kilometer per hour limits. Only motor kit I found with a street legal mode is the CYC X1 series. Does Bafang have a street legal mode or can we program it? I believe Bafang has something like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that um, Brit Triton or whatever uh, SUV or SUV RV uh, camper boat thing we looked at is uh, designed to be European legal and it uses a 1500 watt Bafang ultra motor. So they just have it programmed to European limits of 25 kilometers per hour, which is about 15 miles an hour. So definitely with Bafang units, you can program them to be EU legal. All right. Uh, We're at just over an hour. So that's a good place to end it right there. All right. Well, thanks for watching everybody and tuning in. We'll be back in another two weeks with all of the latest electric bike and other light electric vehicle news for you. We'll see you again in a fortnight.